Hello, we're back with episode six on our guest, Karen Sandu. Um, I spoke to Karen nearly a year ago about doing an episode, so I'm really glad that we're finally here. Um, so let's just start with the basics. What do you identify yourself as? Well, thanks for inviting me, first of all. <laughs> um, so I identify as Sikh. Um, it's my religion. I'm uh, British because I was born here. And I'm Punjabi because uh, my parents' family are from Punjab in India. So were you born here? I was born here. Um, my parents, both of them were born in India. I've got a sister who was also born here. Um, yeah, so when we first chatted, all you said to me was, um, you identify yourself almost as 100% British. Like, you've never thought anything more than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely British. I'm born here. I feel very British. <laughs> um, and the actual fact, I think I said this to you, when I first started to go, I went to India all the time when I was younger. And um, I didn't go for about six or seven years. And I had, a, even me, I felt like a slight culture shock going back because it was just so different. So, um, but ultimately, you know, I'm, my parents are Sikh, so I'm, I'm Sikh. And um, they've never really raised us as, you know, massively religious. It's always, they've always said, just go to the Gurdwara whenever you feel like it, which is our place of worship. So we've just gone, me and my sister have just gone when we feel like it. Um, and I think that just, you know, I embrace Sikhism, obviously, but I'm definitely British. So. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's, that's always really interesting. And obviously, like, we can't get away from the fact that your name isn't an Indian. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Karen. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, a Danish name. Yeah. Um, so it's really odd because my parents, um, if you're Sikh, you generally have, if you're a girl, you have Kaur as your middle name and you have um, Singh if you're a guy as your middle name. But my, um, my dad has Singh as his middle name. My sister and my mum don't have a middle name and they gave me an, you know, a Danish or English name and then an Indian middle name. So my middle name, which I don't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's Preet. Right. <laughs> so, right Indian. No, but as in... Does your sister have an English name? No. So she is called Sunit. So it's very Indian. And I mean, how that happened was my mum kept being called Mrs. Sandy. They wouldn't, her first name Srinda, and they wouldn't say Srinda. They just kept saying Mrs. Sandy. Why? <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, why? Yeah. Well, they, believe it or not, that was in the... God, early 70s, like late 60s, early 70s. They just couldn't say Srinda or, you know, I don't know why. And it just, um, she thought she would make my life easier. So she named me Karen. Oh, no. And then um, when my sister was born, I think she felt everyone was calling her Srinda at that point. So she didn't really feel the need to give an Indian name, I mean, an English name. So my sister got called Sneet. That's so interesting. Because I, I can imagine that just raises more questions. So I've definitely always thought about it when you worked at LMP. I obviously wasn't ever going to ask you. Oh, it raises so many questions. Yeah. Yeah, so many questions. I mean, ultimately, I've spent most of my life saying, no, really, my name is Karen. <laughs> or, no, I'm really Indian. Yes, I'm fully Indian. <laughs> Both my parents are from India. 
I wasn't adopted. I'm definitely Indian. <laughs> um, and the irony, of course, now is that I've spent so long saying I'm Karen. Yeah. And now Karen is such a toxic... Yeah. <laughs> word. It's like, it's typically, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I don't know where you've been, but... Um, just hashtag Karen and you see what comes up. But typically, I think it's meant to describe a middle-aged white lady who complains a lot. That's how it started off. And then, um, but now, I mean, it's gone very extreme. It's used to describe racists, which definitely hits a nerve. Um, Trump supporters, yeah. that kind of thing. That is really sad. So then I'm... But I'm guessing, obviously, that wasn't the case when you went to school and stuff. No, 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 it wasn't the case. They just didn't believe that I was Indian because, <clears throat> you know, um, if you're Indian, you know that there's a slight fascination about being fair. Um, the fairer you are and all that kind of stuff. And I'm really fair, just happened to be fair. My dad's really fair. So they just, no one believed that I was Indian. So I'd have to con always reaffirm my identity. My primary school was predominantly, um, well, it was, it was like really idyllic, if I'm honest. <laughs> I don't think I noticed, I didn't notice uh, color. I didn't notice differences, um, not until I got into my senior school. So my primary school was um, predominantly white, actually. I probably just thought, oh, there are a few people that look like me. Yeah, it was really idyllic. I just didn't see any color. And then, um, I went to this primary school that was a bit further away from where I live simply because um, when my parents, they both started working. So um, they, you know, in, well, we can talk about it later, but when everyone, you know, emigrated over, they had to put, it was either you don't work or you put me with a childminder. So um, my childminder lived around the corner from my primary school. So um, it was like very idyllic, loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, get yeah, like what you said now about when when you moved here and stuff. I think it is important to identify um, what point in the last fifty years that people moved here. Like we obviously all know, like the following of the like, the break off of the empire, and people moved here in like the fifties and sixties. And then yeah. we have um, like they needed they needed labour straight after the war. And yeah. Last, there was like a massive influx of like I'd say the earliest from my knowledge of it. Everyone can feel free to correct me. Um, was like Pakistanis and people from Punjab and that was like the first people who moved here and that was like that was just for the labour shortage and when people from Punjab moved here from what I remember it was mainly to the Midlands or they worked at the airport those were the two those were the two big things and that's not even a stereotype that's literally why they were moved here for no I know I'm and, gonna conform to major stereotypes here now yeah <laughs> and, and, and I just think like um, yeah, and that's why, like, I think, like, obviously, that like, pockets of people are really protective of their identity. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're little pockets around London or around the, around the UK, and that's why you have like loads of Sikhs in Southall and like loads of whoever and wherever. And I think that's like mm -hmm. really important. Um, so yeah, and and I think that's that's a big thing. Like exactly from when when you moved here, really like frames the way you've been brought up. So the whole mm -hmm. child minder. Yeah. So, so yeah, so my parents um, came, well, actually my dad came over in 1961. So a long time ago, 59, 59, God, 59 years ago. Um, and he was 22. Um, 
And so at that point, everyone was coming over. Well, quite a few people were coming over from India. So um, he had a turban up until 22, actually, interestingly enough. Um, and then um, he came to London and then actually went to live in Derby. Don't know why. I said, oh no, I do know why his friend lived there. And you know, you obviously want to be where your friends are. So he lived in Derby, he had a really tough time. He was in his car, living in his car for a time. Um, he was, um, he couldn't get a job. Um, no one wanted to hire an Indian person, if I'm completely honest. Um, so then he actually cut his hair. I asked him this question the other day, knowing we were doing this, because yeah. I wasn't 100% sure, you know, why he did it, if I'm honest. It's not something I've really discussed with him. Um, and he basically did it because he just couldn't get a job. Oh, I know. Um, so then he moved over in 61, and then my he went back and um, had an arranged marriage with my mum. Mm -hmm. um, and then my mum came over in 68. So my dad was here for about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they moved, then they were, he, was, he came to London. So again, conforming to certain stereotypes, he went to work for Air India, <laughs> which I, t I totally get why that worked for them because they could get cheap flights um, yeah. back home, right? I think it was only, I mean, this is pretty shocking, but it was like 20, 30 quid to come home, yeah. to go home, yeah. see parents. Um, and then um, my mum went to um, work for customs. <laughs> so both worked at the airport. Um, my cousins in the States, like every time Bendit, like Beckham comes on, they, <laughs> they say two girls, two sisters. And I was like, it's nothing like me. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so we did conform to certain stereotypes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, um, at that point, every, you, there were so many jobs in the airport, it made sense and mm. communities were, you know, building up around Hounslow. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so they um, they came over, and actually, um, loads of like family came over at the same at, at different times. My dad's one of six, um, so actually, all five of his siblings were either coming here or they went to Canada. Right. So I could have easily been from Canada, very easily. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And he actually helped them all to go oh, to different yeah. countries. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, we're we're the same. So like we were choosing between the two countries it was yeah so it's, yeah i say the same story like we could have very closely been um brought up in canada but yeah exactly what you said but i think obviously at growing up i think there is like a there's a disparity obviously like because your because your dad grew up here or didn't grow up here spent his 20s here and that's different to moving here in the 60s you're i don't want to say more advanced but there is a there's i think there's a cycle of immigration in terms of integrating into society Mm -hmm. I don't want to say integrating, that's not the right word, because I wouldn't say that I'm not integrated. I want to maybe um, the whole like the whole level playing field stuff, the things that we're lacking is usually yeah. experience or network or not having um, the knowledge of how to like apply for education and things like that. So like hearing your story of moving like, well, your parent, mom, your mom and dad moving in the 60s is different to us moving in the 90s. Because Very much so. Yeah, but that, not in like a negative way, just like if I- Just really different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, my, I mean, my dad had a bachelor in arts and my mum actually got a degree in law. 
from Delhi University. Mad. Yeah, and um, so she was, um, she could have become a lawyer here just on her training. But you know, ultimately you have to work quite quickly to bring the money in. Um, there was a point, um, my dad's best friend lives in the States um, and they in Ohio and they were kind of saying, well, what, you can come and study. She could have gone to study in Ohio to do her um, you know, training or law to convert the law degree. And, but she didn't so, um, because they needed to work, I guess. But what they did do is they um, rented out, because <laughs> my dad worked for Air India, they rented out um, some rooms to steward, air stewardesses. Oh, until they were like up on their feet, yeah, until I was born, I think, for about four or five years. So you went to school and then you were, I remember you were saying like primary school was really different to junior yeah, really school different. and senior school. Yeah, so um, and my junior school, so my um, my mum found this childminder, um, actually I went to her when I was two. So okay. I was with her from two till eleven long time um and she's white um auntie mary she's called um and um her family we would i would go on holidays after and after school they um come pick me up but um she's got two sons and a daughter there's me and my sister um and her daughter's actually my best friend <laughs> um so it's uh, a relationship that's uh, lasted a long time yeah. Very idyllic um, because my mum was working till about six and so I had a good three hours, uh, you know, at their house. So I did lots of um, after school activities and things like um, you know, <coughs> Hounslow Swimming Club, um, Gymnastics Club, um, Girls Brigade, <laughs> lots of different things. And then our summer holidays were very much, you know, I went canoeing. I mean, it was just... Um, very idyllic childhood very active yeah and then and then what changed when you went to high school so uh yeah it was um a massive a massive adjustment for me i was the only one that actually went from my junior school to my senior school um everyone knew each other but i went from a predominantly white junior school to a predominantly brown senior school um and I don't get me wrong, I've, I've got really, I made some really good friends. They're still friends to this day, but it was very, it was very hard. I found myself, um, I, got, I definitely, I was really confident when I was in junior school, when I went to senior school, and at least the first few years I was really shy um, because you, you know, you put me in a school of 800 people. Um, and my mum actually, <laughs> she was adamant that I was like, because obviously I've been looking looked after by my childminder. She was adamant that I was like looked after going to and from school as you would with your kids. Yeah. And she asked the girl opposite me, and my my street was full of a lot of Indians actually. Mm. And she asked the girl opposite me to take me to school, who was older than me, who absolutely hated it and would make me walk like <laughs> six meters behind her. And this is really shocking, but I only just told my mum because we were doing this, I only told her last week. <laughs> what a what a painful experience that was and she was <laughs> felt really guilty um yeah it was um at that point I think you're in your formative years you're trying to find your identity um and I just at that point I was very aware of my race color 
yeah. I, I wasn't Indian enough for the Indian kids. Um, you know, it was a bit, uh, you know, kids can be cool, but, or I wasn't white enough for the white kids. Yeah. So it was very um, tricky to kind of find my feet. Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, it's all right. I've got. Yeah, but here you are now. <laughs> but you know, it makes it makes you get a thick skin. But you know, they. It was just very much like your name's Karen. You know, it's just you. You, if you're consistently having to reaffirm your identity, it does wear down on you a little bit. Yeah, it can be exhausting. So, yeah. So school obviously got better, and it's fine. And then yeah. I wanted I wanted to talk about kind of post school. Maybe like yeah. young professional life and how that yeah. was. So, um, yeah, so then I went to, well, I started working recruitment predominantly. Mm -hmm. um, and recruitment is, you know, um, <laughs> recruitment industry is, uh, I'll say this tactfully, it can be a bit cutthroat. It's work hard, play hard. Mm -hmm. um, very, uh, you know, slightly sexist. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I really, you know, you get, you go from, I was, you know, predominantly Indian school, predominantly Indian university. Um, and then you start working and, and I realized, I mean, friends would come meet me for lunch wherever I was and they'd be like, God, I sometimes I wouldn't even notice it, which is kind of weird, but sometimes it would be like, right, you know, you're the only ethnic minority person in the room or you're one of two. I was always the only one or one of two. Yeah. And then during the session, I kind of, you know, I've been thinking about it and I realized that I haven't had a non-white boss for well over 22 years. Yeah. No, so, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, recruitment is definitely cutthroat. Um, and I worked in, um, so I worked um, for Reed in my that's how I first started off as a recruitment agency um and I remember I was sitting on reception um again the only Indian and then everyone else was white and um and a big client came in and my manager was like really he was very very focused on this client okay um the client came in kind of looked at me a bit funny walked in I didn't really um hear what he said one of my colleagues kind of rushed me out and said we're going to lunch and she basically told me that he walked in and he's kind of said, well, you've got one of them working for you. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So, I mean, and he did it covertly. So you kind of realize that um, you could, you start to question things slightly, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, and I know like, you tell like you tell me so many stories and like of all these like work like I don't want to call them horror stories but they're just kind of things that come. I think uh, again like even when I did even when I did it with Frozen or did it with um in Katarina you start to you start to remember stories as you speak about yeah. it. Yeah. So um, I was working for JP Morgan actually, um, uh, and. Um, we dealt a lot with recruitment agencies because they were recruiting the staff. Um, so I did a lot of on-site, kind of what you call managed service provider, working for managed service providers, where you're on-site at a company and you work with agencies to recruit people. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, it's quite sexist. 
you know, it becomes, you, you realize that you have to, I don't know, I guess like it became very aware that, all right, you're a woman, you have to try sometimes just that little bit harder. But then I'm also an Indian woman. So, you know, you've got, it's slightly more challenging at times. Yeah. And I was on a call with my colleagues and an agent, some agencies and this guy just kind of <laughs> said some comment. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm having trouble saying it. He basically said something like, yeah, I just want to have brown babies with you. I mean, it's inappropriate on so many levels. It makes me uncomfortable saying it out loud. But that's the kind of thing you have to deal with. Yeah. No, it's just... Um, but yeah, you know, 20s and 30s, you, you, you know, every decade you get things change and you get yeah it's true and it and to be fair when you're comfortable in your 20s and 30s that's like the point when you find it the most difficult to correct people or like there's always like the fear of yeah noted or the fear of yeah. like saying the wrong thing so yeah but the older you get you're like i shouldn't put up with it but when you're older, yeah no and i was younger then yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean because it, it's kind of interesting though because um I mean, we talked about this before, mm -hmm. but, uh, and this is my term for it. And I'm going to say this first of all. So I know a lot of good Indian men in my life, in my <laughs> family, my cousins, my colleagues, my friends, but there, um, there's definitely been a challenge I've had with Indian men, some Indian men who didn't like or couldn't work with an Indian woman. And it's, it's something that's happened consistently you know, in my working life. Um, and it was, I was working at Labrooks, which um, gambling company before yeah. London Partners. And it's um, really cutthroat. I mean, really brutal. Yeah. <laughs> very hard environment. Um, and you get a very thick skin. And I just had, you know, you have managers that you deal with, you want to help them recruit. And, um, and I just remember having slight challenges with this Indian manager, this Indian guy, he just couldn't, he just, every single time he would just talk to my boss who's white. Yeah. He just couldn't deal with, yeah, I don't know. And I, and I start, you start to see it and notice it more. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, you know, recently, when I say recent in the last two years, yeah. I will give you two examples, just to give you an idea. And some of my team know this, because I do talk about it. I call it Indian man syndrome. I'm sorry, <laughs> good Indian man. But, um, um, I was at a conference in a, in a European country with um, a colleague, white male, and we were outreaching to a lot of clients from all different countries. Um, and I outreached to an Indian client, Indian company. And the guy came back on my app, you know, my name's Karen, came back on my app. He's like, yeah, no problem. Want to see you. Um, we'll come to your stand came to my stand and they were three Indian men and um, started talking to my colleague who then said, no, this is Karen. Karen's the one who reached out to you, but they would not speak to me. Like it was, it was blatant. Wouldn't speak to me, wouldn't engage eye contact. And my colleague was shocked. He was visibly shocked because it was just so blatant. But it's one of those things, I guess that, you know, you, it does happen. And I was in a 
a meeting with um again another um, it was a company another indian guy and i had two colleagues with me uh both male one white one indian and um this guy uh every time he was talking every time he spoke he wouldn't speak to me uh, he wouldn't look at me and if i asked a question he would uh, you know he would he would look at my colleagues um and you know you, you get older you get um you learn to deal with these things better um and I, i've definitely got it down like the last 10 years for sure yeah. and so i i kind of said it i was very firmly said i really appreciate it if you just answer my question and you know <laughs> yes, <Karen. laughs> as politely as possible shift the focus back on you so yeah i think it is challenging i think you know i think devour said this on his um when he had his session yeah. richard you don't wake up every day um thinking oh i'm indian yeah. <laughs> it's just who you are and and you go through life just thinking the best people until someone proves you wrong right yeah and i think and and I, you know, whether they do it consciously, subconsciously, it happens. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely have had it from Indians and from, you know, I mean, it's happened in my personal life. You, you, you know, you experience racism in many forms, in many ways. And uh, you've like, you really like, you've touched on like the layers because we, like you said, we've had incredible um really inspiring men speak on speak at London Partners speak everywhere um and there's there's just layers to there's layers to it and like obviously everyone knows what intersectionality is now we've said it hundreds and thousands of times um it's like into it's interconnecting like um different social categories um like race like class like gender and I think that's what we haven't been able to identify as much is like how much gender overlaps um, with the race so like yeah it does yeah, like Indian women it's different it's different experiences it's not worse or better it's just different yes um, and then this concept is like an entire framework I think takes into account um, I don't know what to call it like identity markers like things that you tick off about yourself like you said at the beginning I'm Sikh I'm this and that I think those are different identity markers and yeah the fact that they're not independent of each other yeah and that's it's what, true and that's what creates like this, I don't know, um, what's a good, like a complex conversions of oppression, I'd say, like in a, in a, in a nicer way, obviously not as oppressed as I'm saying it, but I think it, it's different markers that kind of interweave with each other, which is what you basically described, which is really interesting. So, and sorry, you said it much more eloquently than me. Then. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, not at all. You, you, no. you basically hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, I think that's always, I think it's a, it's a term that everyone's just using at the moment, but actually trying to physically understand what that actually means for different people. And I remember really, really early on, really early on, somebody from the company um, explained it to me really well and said, like, if I was to vote for somebody, am I more likely to vote for a white female or a black male? And I really had to think about it. And I thought of it in my head of like, um, two politicians that I really like, a white female and a black male, who I really, really like and who I'd be most, more likely to vote for. And I chose the black male. And I was really surprised in myself. And it just, mm -hmm. it, it, it's kind of like how much you layer your different things. So like, yes, I'm a female and I'm so up for like female empowerment and things like that. 
but what I find obviously internally and subconsciously more important is or I feel more hurt by or I don't know how to explain it is the mm-hmm. is the race thing and I felt yeah. more represented by him than I did her that's interesting just really interesting. I yeah no it's really interesting I do get it I mean you know we are always trying to I mean without a doubt London Pond is definitely the most diverse place I've ever worked no question the you know you see all the different groups, everyone, there's nothing like it. I don't know anyone that works for a company like LMP. Um, and we are very good at getting diversity. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but diversity is not obviously just women. And it is really important that, you know, you want to be chosen for something because you're the right person, not because you're just ticking a box the same as if you're choosing speakers to speak at a panel of yours or you know whatever it is the makeup of your of everyone going to a meeting or whatever it is um an event sorry you know you want to be chosen for your um for your brain yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I completely understand yeah not because you are an Indian female Mm -hmm. and it's it's just very it's a it's really difficult because it's just a really difficult position to be in sometimes. Um, yeah. No, I, I understand that. Um, sorry, I completely brushed over. You said it happened in your personal life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I literally just thought of it, like backtracked yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I'll give you an example. So, um, um, ex-boyfriend at the time happened to be white. Um, we have been... Um, we were abused down the street by a white guy. <laughs> but then we were also walking down the street and um, about three or four Indian guys were walking towards us and abused us again. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, I hate to say it, but you get used to that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not acceptable. But it was more common for me to experience it. He was shocked. First time he'd ever been, uh, I think he's the first time he'd ever experienced that and it was it shook him to his core a little bit yeah but it you know it's challenging because you 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 know you're getting it from everyone yeah oh that's so interesting because it's yeah it's exactly what you said you get it from both sides yeah um and you know it goes back centuries of um our culture, you know, our, all the different religions. It is, you know, you know, and I know there's a lot of history there. And for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of history <laughs> from everything for the partition today, you know, there's a lot of history. And I think it's, I think everyone has to look um, inwards and try and do better and be better, as Oprah would say. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much, Karen. Um, just to end, um, so we're going to play a quick game so whoever's listening can play along as well. Check your privilege edition. Put a finger down if you have been called a racial slur. Put a finger down if you've been followed in a store unnecessarily. Put a finger down if someone has crossed the street to avoid passing you. Put a finger down if you've had someone clinch their purse in an elevator with you. Put a finger down if you've had someone step off of an elevator to keep from riding with you. Put a finger down if you've been accused of not being able to afford something expensive. Put a finger down if you have had fear in your heart when being stopped by the police.
Put a finger down if you have never been given a pass on a citation that you deserved. Put a finger down if you have been stopped or detained by police for no valid reason. Put a finger down if you have been bullied solely because of your race. Put a finger down if you have been denied service solely because of the color of your skin. Put a finger down if you've ever had to teach your child how not to get killed by the police. Any fingers left? That's privilege. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for having me.